Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Uh, you can also listen, uh, watch, listen on the page. Nah, it's been a while. Or you can join us in the chat room, leave questions there, or connect via the chat room uh, via Skype. Um, we're um, going to be ranting most of the day about, or most of the night, I guess, that I'm on about um, just all of the things pertaining to Black Lives Matter and police shootings and the ridiculousness that took place in Tulsa. Um, but before I do that, you know, I normally start with headlines and start with a whole bunch of stuff, but I really don't want to get too snarky on the serious subject. But just Bluebell ice cream. Okay, we're going to just talk about Bluebell Ice Cream in a second, and then we'll talk about Uber, and then we're going to get into uh, the issues surrounding um, disproportionate uses of use of violence against black people in this country. But Bluebell Ice Cream, they knew that they had Listeria once and continued to sell their ice cream. And somebody died. At least one person died, I believe, if I, if I recall correctly. They then shut down their plants. Reopened again. The second time they found Listeria. Now, the first time it happened, I said, I'm not going to shop with these from these people anymore. There is no reason why I would choose to buy a product from from an or from a company that knew knew that they were sending out tainted ice cream. I mean, that should be manslaughter at least. But corporations shield people from liability. So there's that. But then it happened a second time. Nobody died, but they did find it in the plants. And I'm like, why would anybody buy this stuff again? But other people still kept buying their stuff. Well, now they've had to do a, a voluntary recall of two of their flavored ice creams where they get with, with cookie dough in it because of listeria issues. Well, guess what? If you still shop at Bluebell Ice Cream, from True Bluebell Ice Cream right now, if you still get Bluebell Ice Cream, you're an idiot. My wife stubbornly continued to get it even after the first one and i was like i'm glad i have a life insurance policy on you because this is i would never touch this stuff you know you paid me money and now she even went look i I love this ice cream it's my favorite ice cream or it was but i'm never buying this stuff again because it's gross that they have it there this always it's been consistently tainted with hysteria if they can't handle cleanliness in their plant and they don't deserve to be operating, period. I mean, just burn the plants down at this point. There's no, if you own stock in Bluebell ice cream, run away, sell now. Um, another quick update. Uh, if you're listening to my, listen to my past shows dealing with ride sharing, uh, Jefferson Parish Council did go ahead and pass an ordinance today in Metairie, Louisiana, to cover the unincorporated parts of Jefferson Parish you're not in the Louisiana parish is basically a county. Um, and what they basically did is they set up similar from what I've seen or what I heard, it's similar to the requirements that Orleans parish has and which is fine. This is what they should have done. That's what they did. That's what I suggested that they do in the art, in the blog that I wrote over on rideshareddan.com. Um, and, and the letter that I sent to the council members, but you know, 
we'll see. Uber and Lyft hasn't made an official have not made have not made an official statement yet on the issue. We'll see what they officially say. But I believe that they'll still continue to operate. When I do ride sharing, it's rarely ever in Jefferson Parish. It's not going to affect me either way any much any any much of a big deal. But that they were considering, you know, what the taxi cabs wanted, which is which actually got voted down. Uh, that was absurd. That was, you know, they, they wanted they wanted taxi cabs wanted to wanted to use the law to push Uber out, knowing that if they had certain things in the law, that Uber would leave the parish and that people wouldn't be able to call Ubers and Lyft, which would just make them less safe. Anyway, um, so that's the short story of that. I might blog a little in a little bit more detail over on uh, rideshareday.com after the show, or maybe I'll do some a video on it. Who knows? Um, but I didn't want to get to the topic at hand. I didn't want to waste any more time on this other trivial stuff. But um, this is just a little update. Um, if I did, if I do cough a little bit during the show, I do apologize. Um, you know, kids and sickness tend to abound, and I'm at that point where I'm feeling fine. I just have the lingering cough that will remain for about at least another two weeks, which is unfortunate. Um, so, but. I did want to talk about what was going on. Um, you know, there, there, I've had lots of arguments, like on my personal Facebook page, uh, about about this issue, um, and I think the. I just want to start off with the amazing hell frozen over moment. Even Donald Trump has said that what happened in Tulsa was ridiculous and was wrong and he has no idea what she was thinking. If Donald Trump can even can even say that that was wrong, anybody who is still def- trying to make excuses for this woman, you rightfully have earned the nickname of deplorable because there's there's no way to defend this. There's no way to defend this at all. People, you know, there, there was one, the Blue Lives Matter website is trying to, oh, well, he put his hands down briefly and that justifies shooting. No, it doesn't justify shooting at all. You know, there are certain points of where you're supposed to escalate. You know, you don't, you're not supposed to go from, you know, why was her gun even drawn? That's what I want to know. Did she think it was a taser? A lot of people say that she thought it was a taser, but there was another story that came out, I think from the same area that where some other cop thought that the gun was a taser. So I think people might be confusing that too, but even if that is the case, you know, she should have known just by handling the two devices that they were different devices. Um, And she should have not, I, I, I don't, Somebody else already had their taser drawn. Why was there a need for her to draw, quote, her taser, supposedly, or any other weapon for that matter? He wasn't acting in any sort of manner that suggested that he was a threat to anybody. But I guess, according to scared white cops, it is just a matter of skin color. And all you need is skin color. And if you see that you're black, guess what? You're going to be shot. Um, You know, there's another case where recently where there was a suspected white terrorist and he was arrested without being shot. There was another case where a white person was actually shooting at police and they shot him with beanbags. He was taken into custody alive. But standing in the road with your car broken down and going to the side of your car and putting your hand on your car lower than what their hands were, per, you know, currently, apparently means that there are at least some cops that lethal force is apparently okie dokie to be used right now. I mean, I guess during during the whole Trayvon Martin incident, I basically said, well, of course they're going to kill him if if they kill him. That person can't testify. Fortunately, I guess in these cases, we have cameras on the cops so that they can be 
used against them to prove or disprove the statements that they make about the situation that was going on. But apparently, I think in Keith Lamont Scott case, I think there was a someone said that there wasn't a body camera, or at least the person who shot Keith Lamont Scott in Charlotte, that I think that person didn't have his camera on or what have you, which should, if that's the case, he had a body cam, but it wasn't on, then that should automatically be used against him in trial. And there's, I think, legal precedence in some areas, at least, where this can actually happen, where if somebody was supposed to be doing something and didn't, like you're supposed to have your camera on and you don't, then the fact that you knowingly turned your camera off can be used against you. Uh, because for some, you, you were you were shown to be willful, willfully negligent in your handling of what should be used as evidence in a case. So I think a lot of times it may uh, more appropriately be described as um, you know, people actually knowingly, you know, destroy evidence. That the fact that you destroyed evidence can be used against you uh, in court. So I think knowingly destroying evidence and knowingly preventing the collection of evidence should be counted as being the same thing. Anyway, we do have a caller on the line. I do want to get to my caller before we're making our caller hold too long. Uh, welcome onto the show. Is this my is this a friend of the show? Hello. Hello. Yes. How are you doing? Yeah. What's your name? Uh, my name's Ed. Um, Ed? I've, yeah. I just see that uh, there, there's, you know, some more um, demonstrating going on in Charlotte now, and somebody was shot there. Somebody was shot in Charlotte, as you know, in in the demonstration? Yeah, in the demonstration. So, uh, I mean, of a police officer or uh, we don't one know. of the protesters? It, they didn't really say. They just said uh, one person shot. Like later, but you know, they're showing all the you know the rides in the streets and or it's not riding yet, but it's getting close. It's protesting. There, there was some, there was some uh, showing of um, what's yesterday. They had a bit of you know. I think some rock throwings or whatever. But I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think you know. I don't. I think there was some maybe mild injuries or something going on. And you know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here. And I, was, I have a friend of mine um, who was a police officer who was questioning whether or not, um, you know, I was actually condoning uh, rioting or not condoning rioting. At the time, I was like, look, I was. I was. I asked him a question. I was like, you know, because the same person, friend of mine, also uh, was questioning Colin Kaepernick and how he was protesting against. Um, the injustices uh, that he sees in this country. And I said, well, how do you want them people to protest? If people see an injustice, you know, you, you don't have, you're criticizing him for being, you know, peaceful and silent. Uh, you're criticizing people for not being silent and being riotous. Uh, what other way would you suggest that they get their message across without, you know, offending offending your views on what's going on in, in this nation and, and, and seeing what, uh, you think would uh, what, what would be a, a okay by you? And I never really got a question. He was more kind of questioning me as to my justifying the rioting. And while I don't necessarily justify the riots, I don't. I'm not, I'm not disapproving of them, but I'm not approving them either. And I guess some people would say that my non-condemnation of them uh, might be considered a tacit approval of them. Um, I would say that you know, I kind of go back to uh, um, Martin Luther King, who basically said that the riot is the language of the unheard uh, so so at some point you know you you get enough injustices affecting your community you are going to um have uh you're, you're going to be angry enough that something is going to happen and things are going to boil over and it's not going to be pretty um yeah there's a tear gas right now there's a lot of tear gas being shot yeah, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to turn on the live feed of MSNBC because that's probably, or some some other news places they'll probably uh, be showing it as uh, as as the yeah. show gets on. Um, just a quick Plus. question: Are, are you you're? Uh, I'm seeing your area code. So you're by Disney. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. north of Disney. Okay, I almost moved out there. You know, I got offered a job up in uh, 
Um, I think it was Lake Mary. Um, and so it would have been closer. We, we, if, if you listen to the show at all, I, I, I love, we go to Disney all the time. We're actually going to be there in a couple of weeks. Um, so anyway, um, so what are your thoughts, you know, on, on the whole general issue of, of what is going, uh, of what's going on with, you know, with Black Lives Matter, Colin Kaepernick, you know, you know, what is, what are your, you know, feelings? How, how do, how do we get resolution of this? How do we, how, how do we as a nation, um, reach a point? Cause I've said this before on, on Facebook. I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast yet or not, but one of the things that I think is preventing, um, I think, the good cops from stepping up and, and doing more is that there's a lot of fear of retribution for, you know, crossing that thin blue line, for, for getting out there and saying and being a whistleblower and saying, look, this is what's going on. Um, there was a case where um, a police chief was reported to be, you know, very racist in the town or whatever, and the police officer came forward and said, "Look, this is this is this shouldn't be happening. You know, we have this police chief who is making these comments, and the police chief wound up getting fired for for what he did, but the police officer then wound up getting death threats and you know, you know, felt very, very unsafe in his job, and and you know, we as you know citizens who are not police, in my opinion, need to get up and say, look, you know, if, if you stand up and do the right thing and you start facing retribution at your job for doing so, then we're going to have to stand up and have your back. And we're going to have to demand that politicians do the same and draft laws to protect the, you know, the good cops from, from the bad cops. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, so where you draw the line and what a good cop and what a bad cop is obviously varies on your opinion of the police altogether. I know some very good cops. I know, you know, the one friend that was questioning me on my whole ideas about riding and, and whether or not I was condoning it or not, or what have you. Um, I think he's in general, he's a good cop and I think he would stand up and do the right thing if he saw something bad going down. Um, he's also close to retirement too, which, which may, you know, make him more likely to, to, to want to do that, um, you know, because he was going to retire anyway. So um, there's not that much to lose at that point. However, um, you know, to me, the people in, in Tulsa, with what happened in Tulsa, uh, I tweeted about this before uh, yesterday, was that um, to me, there were no good cops on that scene because nobody said, look, put your gun away. There's no reason to have your gun drawn right now. Nobody said, nobody ran over to immediately offer a minister first aid upon uh, Terrence Crutcher being shot. Um, nobody arrested uh, the police officer who did the shooting for, for, for killing him illegally. Um, there's, there's been, there was no action taking place. The only, only thing that I could probably say that didn't happen, as opposed to like the case with Laquan McDonald, outside that Burger King um, was that it didn't, it doesn't necessarily appear that they were immediately trying to cover up anything. Um, they didn't try and plant anything on the guy, at least immediately. There are now claims that they quote found PCP in the backseat. And even if they did, that's irrelevant. You know, he didn't, he, there was no evidence that he was on PCP or that he was acting as a threat as because of whatever PCP that he was on uh, supposedly. But um I don't really know what, you know, you know, a lot of other people would just say that, you know, only she was the bad cop. Other people would say that nobody was the bad cop in that situation. <coughs> and of course, a lot of other people would say that all cops are bad cops, blah, blah, blah. And I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person to go that far. I'm not going to say cops are, are, are bad cops. I think that you have plenty of, plenty of cops out there that want to do the right thing. And I think that they're just afraid that if they do do the right thing, um, that they're going to, they're going to suffer some ramifications for it. And that we need to be their support network. We need to get up there and say, you know, we have your backs. Um, anyway, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put you on mute for a second. And I'm going to take the, uh, take the first commercial break. Um, if you want to call in, it's area code uh, 
347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. And this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on RLJS Radio Live with your girls, Monica RW, and Automatic. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. RLJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. Again, to call the show, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Or connect via the Skype button on the show page in the chat room. Or you can always, um, well, actually, you can't leave your comments right now at the uh, show page on liberaldan.com because for some reason I'm having problems making new posts, and I still have yet to troubleshoot that that functionality. So, Liberal Dan Radio, liberaldan.com has been kind of in limbo right now um, because of that. Um, before I get back to the topic at hand, and I'm, I'm watching MSNBC now as I'm uh, as as I'm listening to the show. Um, there was an um, interesting thing that came out where where there was a the, the Daily Show had um, an interview of Trump supporters and you know all about the things that they supposedly knew. Um, one of them being um, the uh, they asked one guy asked uh, was asked um, is there anything else that we should know about the current president President Obama and his response was you know that you know that Obama was you know obviously a terrorist you know because that's what they believe but he believed that Obama was personally responsible for 9/11 and when the uh, guy asked well what, why do you think that he goes well he shouldn't have been why do you think he was uh, not in his in the Oval Office at the time, he was like, well, he was probably out playing golf or vacationing, not realizing the fact that he wasn't even a president at the time, uh, but which was crazy. Um, but the same person actually asked, you know, what, what does he think was wrong with Hillary Clinton? And the guy said, AIDS. And the guy said, because Bill gave it to her. Now, roll back to about eight days ago, because I, 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 I I, can, I still have it on my messenger. I was talking to one of my, uh, per, one of the people that I know who is a very conservative person, and he's always sharing things from some of the most conservative conspiracy sites. Uh, back when we were friends on Facebook, um, I, I, we were not friends anymore, but he'll, we'll still chat on Messenger occasionally. Anyway, he said, seriously, what's wrong with Hillary Clinton? And I said, well, obviously she has AIDS because Bill gave it to her. Um, and he was like, no, come on, seriously. And I said, well, I honestly, I don't know, but I'm surprised that a conservative hasn't brought that up yet. Now, eight days later, I'm seeing on Facebook a uh, post from The Daily Show where somebody literally actually promoted that idea that Bill gave Hillary AIDS. And I don't know if I should be, you know, try feel triumphant in the fact that 
I actually called it, uh, that I actually said, you know, hey, you know, I knew that they were going to do it and they did it, or if I should be depressed about the fact that I know that type of thinking that well because I've heard so much of it that I was able to accurately predict <clears throat> the level of stupidity that they would be having by suggesting that um, – yeah, it was Bill who gave Hillary AIDS, and that's why she's sick. Anyway, so back to the topic. Yeah, there I'm, I'm watching uh, the live going, the live shots from MSNBC. Um, they have cameras right now. They're showing police uh, by the Omni Hotel, uh, throwing tear gas, uh, trying to get get protesters away. According to uh, one of the protesters. Um, that they were, there were some of the people in the crowd, most of them were acting peaceful, but some of them were not acting peaceful. And as such, I guess we're, we're causing, you know, uh, disruption. So it really isn't, you know, it's not very riotous at all, but they are uh, throwing tear gas. And uh, I saw some of the people who were protesters kicking the tear gas back against the police. Um, so it's, it's a mess. And, you know, uh, we, uh, we lost our caller. One of the things that I, you know, some people, you know, suggest, well, maybe we had, don't have all the correct information. Cause one of the things that, that I said today on Facebook was um, they, they had mistaken the, they had mistaken the, a book for a gun. Or that was, that was what was claimed on MSNBC earlier today, that the police, someone from the police, or someone said um, that the police mistook a book with a gun. And I said, you know, I guess to some people that is just as dangerous. Um, because, you know, if it's, uh, you know, I, I did quote, the book is a loaded gun. And I knew that quote from somewhere, and I read Fahrenheit 451 a long time ago. Um but this is where it became, you know, it may be false. And um, so I was like, when silent protests don't work, what are they to do? Or when silent protests are criticized as un-American and people are more mad at Colin Kaepernick taking a knee than they are about people getting shot by the bad cops, what are they supposed to do to make people listen? Somebody else, really? Uh, justifying dirtbags, hurting people to make a point. I thought you were smarter than this. And I said, I don't want anybody hurt, but how should they protest? And again, Dan, I'm flabbergasted. You, even you cannot be defending this. You must, you must do take an opposite position and everything. So I'm wondering how people in fear for their lives should protest. I said I don't want people to get hurt. They shouldn't riot. Rioting is illegal. There are many forms of legal, non-property destroying, non-injury causing ways to protest. And to which I responded, you know, a riot is the language of the unheard. Um, and... Later on, I went ahead and posted this, you know, the basic idea that um, rioting is illegal. As I started to start off, rioting is illegal. The Boston Tea Party was illegal. Taking up arms against England was illegal. The Holocaust was legal. Sometimes legal actions are immoral. Sometimes illegal actions are moral. And that was kind of my deep thought for the day. But, you know, I, I think it bears some truth. I think that if you're standing up against an injustice, how – I just don't understand how some people want people to protest. Is there a right way to protest? Is there a wrong way to protest? I mean – Sure, maybe if they got to the point where they were actually killing – when, when people were actually killing cops in Dallas, you had very, very few people in, you know, on both sides of the aisle applauding that. Most people were against that. Most people, most people were, did not support the idea that we should be – attacking and killing police. So I think, I think there, there's, you know, definitely a value judgment to be made there, but it's, you know, when you, when you're riding, you, you, you're causing property damage. I mean, people say, well, you're hurting your own neighborhoods. Well, a lot of these neighbor, a lot of these businesses that they're hurting, 
you know, they do have insurance, and I mean, they're probably going to lose a little bit of money uh, as and you know, lost revenue as they rebuild and stuff like that. But you're, if you're not being able, if if a person can't take a knee during the national anthem, and if they can't silently protest without being called the N-word and getting death threats, then what are they supposed to do? I don't, I, I mean, what are, do some of these people think is an appropriate protest if none of the protests they've seen so far? If you can't say, this is a valid form of protest and this is not, if you can't think of a single valid way to protest and that to me says that you're not criticizing what how they're protesting. You're really just mad that they're protesting. And that's a completely different thing. Anyway, let's go ahead and take um, the news block break. Um, and we'll come back and uh, take your calls as well. Uh, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Day Radio. Tuck from the left, that's right. production of diversified media enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Let's make a deal. That's what hundreds of workers at Trump Hotel Las Vegas want their boss, the GOP presidential candidate, to do. Instead, Trump's hotel has resisted and tried to bust the workers' union. So they rallied Wednesday at the Trump Hotel Las Vegas to press their demand that Trump respect them, respect the law, and start negotiations on a labor contract. Bethany Kahn is a spokesperson for the Culinary Workers' Union. She says the last anti-union appeal from the Trump Hotel has been denied. And if Trump wants to make America great for workers again, this is a good place to start. So the hotel's union, and all that needs to happen is a contract needs to be signed. Mr. Trump is saying, as he's running for president in the United States of America, that he'll take care of women. Well, these, his, most of his workers there are women. He says he'll take care of American citizens. Many of them are American citizens. He said he'll take care of workers, and they're all his employees. So they're really wanting him to make a deal and sign a fair union contract that would provide for fair wages, job security, and good health benefits. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says legislation is being drafted in city council to give fast food workers relief from the stress of totally unpredictable work schedules. Many of these workers have no set schedules and must deal with constantly changing work hours, often on very short notice. de Blasio spoke to the press in front of a New York City McDonald's. If you want an example of the tale of two cities, if you want an example of how the 1% have gotten wealthier on the backs of working people. Here you have it, fast food industry. De Blasio says that this New York City legislation will change the work culture for low-wage workers. I think it is a culture change. I think it says to the corporations that they have to treat their workers with respect. That has not been the reality of these giant fast food corporations. The AFL-CIO says the most comprehensive and sophisticated electoral program in its history is driving down worker support for Trump in Ohio. The Labor Federation says the more union households hear about Trump, the less they like him. An AFL-CIO internal poll shows Trump's support in union households is five points lower than Mitt Romney got in the 2012 election. Trump supports anti-union laws and is ignoring union issues in his campaign. The AFL-CIO says its electoral campaign is cutting through Trump's bluster and getting to the heart of his record. Brought to you by the Alliance for American Manufacturing, working to prevent the loss of American jobs caused by unfair foreign competition and working to promote fair trade laws to level the playing field for American workers. Information on how you can help create smart, worker-focused public policy is online at AmericanManufacturing.org. Workers' Independent News is heard daily on The Rick Smith Show, live 3 to 6 p.m. coast-to-coast at TheRickSmithShow.com. The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. You've been listening to WIN, Workers' Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org.
And welcome back to Little Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. Join the conversation. It's 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat room at liberaldan.com or at on blogstockradio.com slash liberaldan. Um, talking about Black Lives Matter and how apparently they don't matter uh, because we keep seeing incidences of uh, um, police shooting black people now. I'll get into conversations and I'll bring our caller back on and you can interject whenever. Um, the, you know, a lot of people will bring up um, that there has been, you know, there are two either surveys or I don't know what the studies that were done um, in simulations where in the simulation uh, that police are, will hesitate an additional fraction of a second or more uh, when it comes to shooting a black person than it is than it comes to shooting a white person. And they believe that or a lot of people will use this as evidence that, you know, of the, or, or of their claim that police are actually less likely to shoot black people than they are to shoot anybody else. However, what I would bring up is that if, you know, I've actually been in such a simulator and you can get your adrenaline pumping up there. You can, you can, you know, when you're interacting with the screen as if you should, and as they're controlling it, it's 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 pretty interesting. I'll tell you that it's it's. I don't want to go too much into it, um, but it is pretty interesting. And and when according to their metrics, when I shot the guy, you know, in the simulation, I shot the guy point three seconds after justifiable deadly force was allowed, and it was basically when. Um, he pulled the knife and looked like he was about to start stabbing the person. Um, so there have been these things, you know, where deadly force is supposed to be used. But <clears throat> even though you can get your blood rushing, it can be exciting, you can't possibly ha- consider this to be a real-life situation. You cannot, <coughs> excuse me, look at these simulations because you know you're in a simulation. And if it's in the back of your head that you want to make sure that the numbers that you're putting up are, are, are not, do not show a racial bias, then you're going to hesitate uh, in shooting you know, somebody who you might normally kill first. But you know, in real life situations, you know, there was the article that was shown that, that I've shared on, I think I shared it on, on Twitter page, no Twitter on my personal Facebook page. I know I discussed it on the Prager University uh, art video about this very topic, is that there are many, many real-life examples showing that despite the fact that um, white people are found to have double the contraband as black people are, or you're, you're, I guess I think the way they word it is that you're twice as likely to find contraband in an unconsented to search of a vehicle, that black people are still searched in a non-consensual way of their vehicle two times more uh, than, or, or more than white people are. Um, your same thing also probably holds true for stop and frisk. The incidence rate of when you stop and frisk a white person is you're, you're more likely to find something than you are on a white person than you are on a, on a black person. Even, but despite this fact, they will stop and frisk black people more. Now, what does that mean? Maybe when it comes to white people, the police have a better instinct as to which people are sketchy. But when it comes to black people, they have this intrinsic idea that all black people are sketchy. And as such, they're not going to be able to discern uh, the actual sketchy people from the people who are just driving down the street trying to get to work or go grocery shopping or what have you. I don't know. In my opinion, stop and frisk should be unconstitutional regardless. You should not be able to come up, and the New York courts actually ruled this. I mean, actually, what I heard, one thing I heard today is I think after, because Donald Trump said today that he would reenact stop and frisk. He would re, reinstitute stop and frisk, despite the fact that a New York judge found it to be unconstitutional. Um, not that it applies nationwide, but he would want, he would want stop and frisk to be something that would be a tool of police officers. But they found that in New York, that after getting rid of stop and frisk, that apparently crimes have gone down. Now, is that correlation or causation? I don't know. 
you can't necessarily say that because of stop and frisk, harms have went down. However, I guess you could probably say that if you're if you're not stopping and frisking people randomly for no reason, then you're not finding illegal guns that can't charge them with things. So obviously, those crimes are going to go down. But you, but as a general rule, I don't know if you could specifically say because of stop and frisk, crime hasn't crime has gone down. I can't necessarily you can't necessarily say that it's correlation. It's, I mean causation. It might just be correlation. However, what you can say is that crimes need to go up because they eliminated stop and frisk. So there is no causal or even correlational relationship in the other way, which is, gets is the important thing, that stopping stop and frisk did not cause an increase in crime. So um, speaking of the Northeast, so uh, on a similar issue, um, Massachusetts High Court um, basically ruled that black men may have legitimate reason to flee police. The Massachusetts High Court noted that state law gives individuals the right to not speak with police and to walk away if they aren't charged with anything. The court said that when an individual does flee, the action doesn't necessarily mean the person is guilty. And when it comes to black men, uh, the BPD and ACLU reports documenting a pattern of racial profiling of black males in the city of Boston must be taken into consideration. The ruling highlights the fact that black men fleeing should not be used against him. So shockingly enough, we have a situation where a court, high court actually agreed and said, look, you know, I actually have uh, a blog post dedicated to this idea that running from the police is, you know, not just, you know, not an assumption of guilt, but it may actually be a um, reasonable thing to do considering all of the harassment um, that that black people have gotten on the hands of the cops. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, a lot of these conservatives, you know, want people to be able to open carry. But if a white person open carries, the police officer approaches them cautiously and carefully. If a black person is openly carrying, the police come up to them with guns drawn and, and threaten to shoot them if they don't get on the ground and drop the gun immediately, despite the fact that nothing else was done wrong and they were just walking peacefully down the street. They just happened to be holding uh, a semi-automatic weapon, um, which, I mean, sort of, I, I, think, I think if I saw anybody walking down the street with a semi-automatic weapon, I would be concerned and probably want to go the other way even if it was a police officer, because at that point, if a police officer is openly brandishing a, or even carrying a semi-automatic weapon, it says to me that that person is coming loaded for bear, and that person probably feels a reason to have that out there, and I, wanna, I don't want to be in that area if that person feels the need to have the weapon in that area. Um, so let's see. So in my blog post that I wrote all the way back in 2014, uh, why run from the cops? So the question many a white person will ask when they see a black person fleeing from the police, I'll admit that I used to ask this question myself. Doesn't running from the police make it worse for the person running? If you just cooperated with the police, then you would be treated justly fairly because you gave the police nothing that badly on, right? Well, if you have thought these things in the last week or so, after the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, you're looking at the situation through your rose-colored glasses of privilege. As a white person, you likely have never been stopped by police for jaywalking. Although I do know somebody who was stopped for by police for jaywalking who happens to be white, but um, I won't go into that. But it's more well, more likely than not that you haven't. If in fact you have likely never been stopped and frisked, you've likely never been pulled over in a nice neighborhood and asked if you belong. As a white person, you are likely approached calmly and rationally by a member of law enforcement. You are stopped for routine items like broken taillights, running stop signs, and speeding. White people have every reason to cooperate with law enforcement. And getting a ticket may suck but it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. The treatment of, young black, of, a, of a young black male by many in law enforcement is much different. I can know this from my personal experience. I can only open my eyes, remove my privileged glasses, and see what happens to people who are darker complected than myself. What I see is not a pretty picture, and the picture is completed with the recent shooting of Michael Brown. Evidence points to Brown running away from the car and being shot while 35 feet away. I'm not sure where in the police handbook it states that an individual with his back to you 35 feet away is justification to use deadly force. It's getting captured by a police officer means you have the possibility of being beaten up and potentially killed by that police officer. And if none of that happens, 
then you have a chance of being railroaded through a judicial, judicial system that is biased against you. The question shouldn't be why run from the cops. The question should be why wouldn't you run from the cops? The bottom line is this. If I had to put myself in the shoes of persons who are black and was then pulled over by, by the police, I would sure as hell hope that they were running shoes because I would want to get the hell out of there as well. So that is you know, a post that I made a couple of years back. And and apparently the Massachusetts Supreme Court agrees with my perception that there is good reasons for police to run from the police. And that if you're not under arrest, it shouldn't be used as, a, as guilt against you. So as I'm glad to know that the Massachusetts Supreme Court did, in fact, agree with me um, on that issue. We had another... Um, you know, one of the things, see, it's about 445. Well, it's about that time to take the uh, final commercial break. So let's go ahead and do that. I will go ahead and, um, you know, finish up the show um, after this as well. Again, you could uh, call the show if you want, 347-838-8368. It's area code 347-838-8368. And this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters, you need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement. Do you like fun jewelry? Do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story? Well, with Origami Owl, you can do just that. An Origami Owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends, hang out, and design jewelry. There is no pressure to buy, but when you host a party, either in person or online, you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase. If you would be interested in holding a party, either online or in person, go to cassiezcharms.origamiowl.com. That is C-A-S-S-I-E-Z charms.origamiowl.com and contact Cassie today. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, get to join the show. It's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Um, one more thing, then I'll, uh, you know, I call or has a question. Um, but before that, um, I was having a conversation with somebody who since then has blocked me, but I took a screenshot of the conversation, or at least the part of it that, that where she said that said something really interesting. Um, and she was basically talking about bringing up the whole black on black crime thing. And um, why aren't I questioning those sort of things? And why do I not bring that up? You know, because, you know, all the people who murder others, I'm not supposed to trust them with my lives. I'm not with my life. I'm not, I don't, I'm not supposed to believe that they're going to protect my safety. When John Q murderer kills someone over a drug deal, it doesn't make me trust the system any less. But we are supposed to trust the police. They are the people who we're supposed to run to and look at for help. When a police officer kills an unarmed person and then other police officers help that police officer cover it up, when the thin blue line defends the bad cop instead of the victim, it does not make me trust the system. It does make me trust the system less. And that's why movements rise up in protest. The response that I got was we are both adults. If you think the system is without faults, you need to go back to la-la land. Life isn't fair. You learn that when you're three years old to pretend like there will be only perfect people in our nation. That is just ridiculous. So justification of killing black people is because life 
isn't fair. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so, caller, um, you had a point to make? Well, it, it is a mess out there, that's for sure, in the inner city. The uh, first thing they need is better police training. And, and like you said, you know, it's not standing up for the, uh, the blue code as it used to be. And the second thing is they need independent community review boards that are independent from the prosecutor and police that right. are actually in that area that can actually, you know, get the facts and then rule on it and say, we're not going to tolerate this in our community. It should be the people, you know, an independent jury, an independent common law grand jury of people made up in each community to oversee their their uh, public servants. So that needs that's, to be implemented. And that's one of the biggest things that needs to be implemented. And, of course, the war on drugs is very terrible, and it's very unjust to the black race. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The You know, they, they plead bargain most of the time, and it's just eight-to-one prison ratios, you know, for Afro-Americans, and it's just terrible. You know, we need more justice in the justice system, and we need an independent review board, and we need better cop training. Uh, I can't I can't argue with any of that. I mean, those, those are all spot on sure. examples of what is absolutely needed. Yes, and if we don't get those to start. If we don't get that to start happening, and that should be their push to make that happen. And when that starts happening, then we might see uh, a resolution to the problem. Until that happens, but it's going to keep being the same old, same old. Right. I mean, because in, in like in New Orleans. Our public defender's office is horribly, horribly underfunded, and you know you, you have the situations where you know public defenders will basically say, "Look, you know, I'm going to have, you know, why don't you strike a deal? Why don't you plead guilty on this lesser thing?" And you know, trying to basically convince them uh, to plea instead of fighting for them and working to try and you know make sure that you know because the job of a public defender is not just to defend against the you know the claims, but it's to make sure that the prosecution does its job correctly and that they're not railroading people through the system. And when you don't have a well-funded public defender's office, people get railroaded through the system. They wind up taking those plea deals and they wind up going to jail. Um, and so that's why you have that, one of the reasons you have that horrible ratio. And of course, you know, with the war on drugs, you wind up, you know, locking up people for nonviolent crimes who are hurting nobody, but potentially themselves. Um, and there's a reason you know, that, and then you have a, the uh, the prison industry that you know profits from people, so they're going to want to have you know judges in in there who are going to send um, more people to to jail to, so they could you know put them in you know right. doing prison well, labor. They're trying, they're trying to get rid yeah. of uh, profit prisons now. So oh yeah, well, I mean the federal the federal government is is canceling all of its contracts with. Uh, the private uh, prison industry, but you still have plenty of state state right. governments that have no problem uh, with the private you know privatization, especially in red states. You're you're going to see probably the most kickback in red states because they're going to you know red states are all about trying to get as much government money into the hands of private um, private people as possible. Although I'm not saying that it's a unique to a Republican thing. I'm sure there are plenty of corrupt Democrats as well who also want to try and you know funnel. Um, this, uh, money to their campaign contri- contributors. What is that? Was that? It's a bipartisan it's issue. I mean, what's going on, uh, you know, to the inner cities is both of the um, parties are to blame. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, just, I live in a very red state, and I don't think that. I don't think that. Um, I, I think our odds here for having our state go to uh, Hillary Clinton, I think, are worse than Mississippi and Texas. So <laughs> Louisiana is pretty pretty. Even though I live in a very blue area, it's still a pretty bad area. But the, yeah, there are <coughs> there are your corrupt Democrats as well who are going to try and um, milk the system for as much money as possible and try and get you know sweetheart deals for their campaign contributors and then you know probably have their golden parachute once they jump out of politics and go somewhere else and um, get cash out their. Uh, investments that they've put into these other people. So 
that there's a whole string of issues that are that are interconnected here. And but you know, the ones that you brought up are definitely ones that you know we need to um, strongly need to look happen. at. They need to happen. Yes. They don't happen. We're going to continue to see this downward spiral. Just that have implemented them, but not enough. And you know, it's a community situation, and the communities have to make the answers. Right. And you know, we we, we I think I think I've said this before, and I think one of the first things that has to happen, though, um, for uh, to to reach the situation is is that you know the people you know who are the majority, you know the, the white folks. Um, we, we need to stop looking at this problem as things that are happening to them, as things that are happening to other people. You look at it and say, well, you know. I'm not black, so it's not it's not impacting me, so I don't care as much or as I should. And instead of looking at it as things that are happening to them, look at it as things that are happening to us because those people are Americans and those people are people who you're know, humans and you should try and find some way to identify with the people who are being um, you know treated poorly um, by police. And until you start treating people as if they were us instead of them, you, 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 you have less of a reason to, to help. Like the, you know, altruism is definitely something that's, that's lacking in politics. Um, that, that's clear. Um, I, when I brought up the fact that uh, Donald Trump actually came out and said that the police shooter in Tulsa, um, that she, you know, that she was actually in the wrong and that she, she, he has no idea what she was talking about, the response that I got on my page was like, well, he doesn't care because she's a woman. And so he doesn't really care about her. And I was, it's, a, it's a funny point, but it, it's also probably true is that, um, you know, Donald Trump, who has generally been very, very uh, pro-choice earlier on in his political career, for example, is now getting on a whole bunch of pro-life Susan B. Anthony list type people uh, to come help his campaign and to push a more pro-life agenda, and the probably reason is, is because he doesn't care about that issue really. He really doesn't, you know, he doesn't stand to lose anything if um, if abortion becomes less available in America. Um, but he does stand to gain politically if he can convince more people who support um, anti-choice measures to actually um, get out to the polls and support him because they feel that he will fight for the issue that, that they want to. So he's he's definitely not doing it because he thinks that the unborn, you know, whatever, do the typical arguments. He's doing it because he wants to get elected and he's going to pander to as much people as possible in order to make that happen. And he'll probably even try and make it happen after the fact, not because, you know, he cares about the issue, but because he probably care about the one thing that most first term presidents care about a second term. So before we end the show, is there anything else you wanted to say before, uh, before we head out? Well, let's just hope that um, we can get the people together to start um, putting in some uh, people-led review boards and that the police are going to start getting better training because it's a shame when they lose their lives like that. It absolutely is. I agree with you 100%. And I appreciate you calling in. And um, most Wednesday, except for the Wednesday that I'm going to be, or the Wednesday that I'm going to be in Disney, um, most Wednesdays I am on the air, 8 p.m. Central. So I welcome you to call back to the show and, um, and then join us again. Thank you very much. All right. And that is going to be the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Um, welcome you again to you as well to tune in each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. You can follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, LiberalDan.com. And, of course, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on the BlogTalkRadio.com slash Liberal Dan as well. What would really help is if you also um, tune in uh, and, and subscribe to the iTunes as well and highly rate it. That might make it a little more popular over there, too. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Up from the left, that's right.